Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all excited for a great week and pumped about this week's guest because I sure am. And this is Mr. Joshua Lee. So I met Josh uh, recently when I moved to Austin, and I feel like it's kind of funny, you know, ever since I moved to Austin, I just feel like I've been meeting so many interesting, amazing and connected human beings that are all authentically living a full and intentional life. And Josh is uh, no exception to that story. So to give you a little balance on or not a little balance, but a little story on Josh, he is the author of Balance is Bullshit, and he offers clarity, mindfulness, innovation and humor to his readers, clients, and social media audiences because he believes that work-life balance is a myth and you don't have to separate your lives between work and play uh, just as the same way you don't have multiple personalities. He's a father of two and having an integrated life based on vision, relationships, health, and business has allowed him to achieve his dreams and now he helps a lot of people do the same whether it's in marketing as as, as a job or just as a friend and a human being. And I love this episode because Josh has had a pretty crazy story, one where When he was at a very young age, fell into rapid business success, made way more money than he ever needed, and then going through divorce and change in life, and then that forced him to lose everything, and then he had to start from scratch and move in with his parents, and then now he's back on top and he's creating, living, and playing at a level that he's never played at before from a full human standpoint. And I I find these stories, you know what, I, I love a great success story, but I love a great, I became successful, lost everything, and then became successful again story. Those are my favorites. And I think that's why I love this conversation so much. We touched on so many different topics around the need to be accepted in an age of social media to how to manage relationships as you are changing in your life, you know, as you're adopting a a life of growth and maybe your friends and family members aren't as growth minded. How do you tolerate that? How do you grow through that? And how do you become one with just who you're becoming and how you perceive who you're becoming, and how do you stop relying on the way other people feel about you as you go about living your life. And so, like I said, Josh is one of my favorite people and relatively new friend, but we instantly connected. And I think you guys are going to feel that magic and that chemistry in this episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. This is the first of many in-person episodes that I've been doing in Austin, just because of all the amazing people around me. And so I hope you guys enjoy this. But before we get started, if you haven't already, Feel free to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. That is the best way for you to know whenever we launch new episodes of the Stay Grounded podcast. If you haven't already, join the free Facebook group where I am constantly going live, creating new content and giving away tons of free stuff to all of our passionate listeners. And if that's what you come join the community, join the conversation on how we can do more. Just go to rajano.com forward slash stay grounded and join the, the free Facebook community so that we can all together create lives and legacies that we love. So 
I am done babbling along, and but without further ado, here is my new friend, Mr. Joshua B. Lee. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. I feel like I made the best move ever moving to Austin just because I feel like I can throw a rock down the road and 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 find just the smartest, most brilliant people ever. And Literally. Literally. <laughs> and uh, my man, Josh, I'm so excited to have you here, bro. We met each other really here, even though we've been connected in the same circles for a while. And I think the first time we met, when we went down the rabbit hole, I mean, one thing I admired about you was just putting it out all out there, like within 10 minutes of us meeting each other. It made me very grateful to know you and curious. And I appreciate that, man. I mean, it's, I'll be honest, that's not how I, I always was. I mean, it's what I've allowed myself to become. I know. And I, and the transformation you've had with your journey. And so I've already kind of covered you, at least a small intro for you uh, prior to the listeners coming on. But I'd love to start with the massive success you had early on in life. I mean, you're pretty young right now. And thank I mean, you. And that makes me feel really good. <laughs> pretty young at 40. Pretty, pretty, you're pretty young, man. I mean, for the grand scheme of life, like, I mean, you've, I feel like you've lived multiple lives already. And so I wanted to start from the beginning. How did you get started in business? Why did you get started in business? And I guess I'm just curious as to how was it wielding all that success so, so early in life? I mean, brother, it's, it's crazy. So, you know, most people go into like, oh, what's the, what's the first time you started your business? And I mean, honestly, if you talk to my mom, my first business was back in um, like middle school because yeah. I was telling her, I was like, I want to go to summer school. And she's like, why? And then she finally realized I was learning to play cards and I was earning money doing that or selling candy out of my locker. So I, I call that my first business. <laughs> so I was always a entrepreneur pretty young. I mean, I think a lot of us are, right? I mean, we, when we grew up, you look back, you're like, all right, man, this is... There's tendencies. There's tendencies that kind yeah. of show up and kind of go through. And I really, you know, with me getting into business, it was kind of a opportunity where it just was only way I thought to go. I kind of hit a point where it's like, I can't do anything, any, anything else. I was here in Austin and I had started up in the mortgage industry and I was doing mortgages for here in Austin, uh, Texas, Florida, and California. And then my lender was like, Hey, can you open up an office out in California? It's like, cool. Yeah, whatever. I, sounds great. It's funny. My, my girlfriend at the time who became, became my first wife, you know, she's like, when we first met, she's like, oh, I'm going to move to California. We shouldn't be together. I was like, oh, I'm never moving to California. It's not going to happen. And then business brought me out there, right? I get in there and I start working with people and it was crazy. It's like people run over their own grandmother to close a loan. It just wasn't within my nature. to help. That wasn't helping people. I kind of saw this was 2002. I kind of saw the right in the wall for 2008, right? I mean, yeah. people were buying their homes for 300000 and then now they owed 800000 on their homes. Wrong way. That's not yeah. what you're usually trying to be able to do. They were living on that refinance. So I bounced out of that. I had a buddy of mine that invited me into the online advertising world. They were doing XML feeds, which was search marketing advertising, and played around with that for about three, four months. And the owner of the company decided to become a business operator, where previous he was a business owner, right? Mm -hmm. Huge difference. And yeah. most people don't get that distinction, a business owner versus a business operator. Are you in your business or are you working on your business? 
And he came in, destroyed the entire company. And it was crazy. And I remember getting a call. Hey, Andrew wants to talk to you. And I was like, man, he's always called me directly. Why is his assistant calling me to have a conversation with him? And I looked at my girlfriend. I said, I'm going to get fired. It's happening. This is going on. And he's like, look, I'm closing the company. This is done. It's not working. Yeah. And I was like, crap, what am I going to do? And honestly, that's where I kind of sat on my couch and I started working 12 hour days. My first company was called Leads and Feeds because again, I, I worked on leads and I was the middleman. I bought traffic from one company and used ads from another and made money on the margin. Because of that, one of my first companies that I started working with was a little company that most people have forgotten about right now, MySpace. And it just catapulted me into a world of money that I didn't even realize possible. I mean, next thing you know, we're doing a couple million dollars a month. It's a lot of cash. How old are you? At that, I'd say 24, 25. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So don't don't use my math. Sometimes it's off. But <laughs> <laughs> it sounds about right. Yeah. At that age, it's crazy, right? I mean, what do you do? I mean, all your friends, everyone's becoming online millionaires overnight. The way things are going, I've got friends. They're buying yachts. They're buying, you know, private jets. We're going in. It's crazy. It's a it's a life that everyone dreams of. Luckily, I was a little bit smarter than a lot of my friends, and I saved a lot of that money. But I mean, it, it just tore me apart. I mean, next thing I know, I mean, I'm, I'm out of shape. I'd never been out of shape in my life. I played sports growing up. My relationships became monetary. People were around me because I spent a lot of money. And I had no vision about where I was going. I just knew where I was at. And I looked back and based on success, right? I mean, most people base success on how much money someone's making. And based on that, I was successful, but I felt horrible. And I knew something had to change. I had built multiple companies at that time. And this is 2008's hitting. I'm about to have a kid. And I'm like, holy crap, I've got to change my life because I'm miserable at this point in time. And outside looking in, I've got everything. House, wife, kids, cars, great companies. At that time, I was thinking I had 10 different companies I was running, running from anywhere from six, seven, and eight figures. And I was at one of the lowest points in my life. How did you become aware that you were at one of the lowest points in your life. A lot of times you get into this almost autopilot zone where you're just kind of going, going, going. Was there a defining moment where you just kind of were hit in the face by life and it was like, what am I doing? I remember. So, you know, we're kind of jumping around time, time frames here, but I had my son and one of the first things I wanted to be able to do is I wanted to be a stay-at-home dad. I, my dad was amazing. He still is amazing. But in the earlier stages, he wasn't around a lot. He worked. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how dads did it back then. I wanted to always be there. I didn't want to be like anyone else. I wanted to always be there for my son and show them that, that, that my kids came first. Yeah. So as soon as I had my son, I took off six months of work and I stayed at home and I was there. And as he grew, I always had an open door policy. I wanted to be able to go and say, no matter what, I want to be able to say whatever I say in front of my son. If I can't say it in front of my son, I shouldn't say it at all in business. And so I started off my being a dad, open door policy, doing everything, making sure I felt confident, always had a door open. The next thing I know, the door gets shut. And my office at the house, because I did stop going, the, I, as soon as my son was born, I stopped going to the office here down, actually right up the street from us on uh, South First. And my office not only became my sanctuary, but my coffin. And I would go in there and I would just stare at the wall for seven hours, not doing anything. Because we're still making money. But I knew at that point, I was like, something's got to change. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, it's hard for me to even talk about it because it just hits, it pulls up such deep emotional things from me in my life. And then I go back and look, and it's like, I can't do this anymore. I've got to figure out a change. And I started really first, one of the first things I ever did was join a group called Maverick 1000. Mm, yeah. A friend introduced me to them. I mean, you know, you know the Mavericks. Yeah. And honestly, Yannick and that group really changed my life. It showed me there were other people out me that can make money, do good on this world, and be proud of it. Because the more money I made too, everyone loved the money, especially all my friends, but they didn't want me to talk about it. That was showing off. That was, you know, oh, Josh, just, you know, he wants to, no, I mean, I worked hard. I did this, you know? And so all these different things, and we see it, I I know other entrepreneurs, right? I mean, you lose these friends as you grow in success and, and money comes into your life, you will have a distinction in the friends that are your friends now and who were your friends before. No, it's interesting. I think the more successful you get, the more insecure the people around you get. Like they start to see, if you can do it, then why aren't I? Yeah. And that creates the dissonance and that creates the distance. And then I've gone through the cycle where I start judging myself. 100%. Like, am I doing something wrong? I think that's a common thread. Like I think family, friends, people in our lives, they mean the best. But at the same time, I think change is more threatening to their own identities. Yeah. Experiences. I mean, I remember when I first started my company, I didn't tell anybody I was starting. Like I was solo by myself, just hustling because I was so scared to tell people and have them laugh at me or scared to tell people and have them judge me. Oh yeah. Right. And so, so let's say now we're at this point where you had your breaking point. You started finding other people that were like you, right? Did that fix the itch inside? Or did that make it louder? It made it louder because, I mean, all of a sudden as I, even I had issues with my relationship. I mean, look, I'm divorced for four and a half years. The reason being a lot of it, I made a lot of mistakes. But as I grew and tried to be better myself for my family, we started having a gap between them, between us. Because, you know, I started doing better. And then as I grew and she stayed the same, that gap got larger and larger and larger especially with my friends as well, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. they even looked at me like, oh, you, you're traveling off. You're going, you just got back, right? I mean, you're, you're going to Necker Island with Richard Branson. Look at you. And it's like, yeah, look at me. I earned this. I did. You just got back from there. Yeah. It's an amazing experience. And you have to feel, have self-doubt about the things that you're, you've earned and you've worked so hard to achieve because of the people, right? I mean, I remember at a time with my past in-laws, I couldn't even talk about my work. Or anything about it. it wasn't allowed in conversation. Mm. Are you kidding me? I mean, I can't talk about what yeah. half part of my life is about. That just because it it they they got upset about it. Yeah, and I'm very grateful. My my parents have never been like that. But yeah, I totally know friends or relatives or anybody who I think that's a natural part of the journey of life as you continue growing and creating and changing. There's going to be two types of people that come on the path. People that are either on that same trajectory yeah, that have just decided that they want to be better. And to me, it's not even about being better, like being financially successful. That's one 100%, thing, right? right? Like if you're somebody who's taking your health into your own hands, like going out there and, and trying to be better, I think that's the only thing that, that I think connects us all. The people that do that in my life are my best friends. The people that do that in my life have been my friends from the beginning because I think growth is one of those amazing things that you don't need to have money to experience. 
You don't need to be born into a family to experience. You don't need to live in a certain country to experience. Growth is one of those beautiful things that you decide when you want to experience. 100% agreeing. You have to be able to make that choice internally, externally, everything. And it's always on us to be able to grow or not grow, stay stagnant. There's an almost like a level of ownership that comes with that. Were you always comfortable taking that ownership? Yeah. I mean, I, I always kind of was the guy that a lot of my friends went to, talked to, expected things from, things like that. I mean, so just wasn't my nature. But no matter what, I mean, even though I was part of the groups, part of the, all, all the friends, I always felt outside looking in. I never felt like I was part of the groups that I was part of, part of the friends that I was part of. Not until actually connecting with other entrepreneurs that were on a very similar path to me that I feel like, oh my God, there's other people like me. I'm not alone. And it was enlightening. Describe that enlightenment. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we feel, I mean, hell, as human beings, a lot of times we feel on, like we're always on an island yeah. and it's always on us. But it's not. If you bring the right people on the path with you as you grow as well, they're going to be there to high five your success and be able to be there for you when you fall down. And I think that's the beauty and the curse of social media. Yeah. Right? Like you get on Facebook or Instagram and you see somebody's highlight reel just doing amazing. You start to judge your own reel. You start to judge where you are, what you're doing. It's creating tons of issues with kids these days. But at the same time, there's the other side too, where there's beautiful communities of people that are like some of my best friends are people that I met online. Yeah. Right. Like that don't live here. They live in different parts of the country. And just because we connected on something, something related to growth in the season of life that I was in, they are now some of my best friends, Yeah, you know, and I think it all comes back down to the context that you view things through. So I want to go back to your story though, because yeah. you've been through. We went on We're a, halfway there. Yeah, we went on a on a great little riff there. So you let's talk about your divorce, man, because I bet yeah. that was a that was a pretty big transition for you, right? Like it was huge. I mean, at the at, you know, as I said, I mean, I was running multiple companies, but I was not happy. Um, I had tried to make changes for the best. And can it can become illusion, especially a lot of men are out there, a lot of people are out there and they go, well, I've got to do this for the kids. I had two. You know, as an entrepreneur, I kept on trying to fix my relationship. Like, oh, well, things aren't working out. Let's get married. Oh, things aren't working out. Let's have a kid. I was only a child, so I wanted kids. That didn't work. Let's have the second child. Maybe one, sometimes something's going to click. And then I realized it wasn't that. It wasn't something that I could fix. What made you realize that? It wasn't changing. <laughs> No matter what I did and I, and I wasn't staying together for the kids, wasn't actually helping my kids. Multiple times we've talked about, you know, oh, oh screw you. I'm going to, you know, I want a divorce thing. That, but, you know, it was in times of passion. And I remember the one night I came home, it was that internet marketing party. And I came home, we got into it, the kids were sleeping. And I said it with such force and passion that I knew I could never take it back. I didn't want to take it back. And it was the time to be able to move on in my life. And, you know, lawyers and different friends are like, oh, did you plan? I'm like, no, man, you know, I didn't plan anything. This is just what happened. And I knew that it was where I needed to go. And Jesse Elder, a good friend of mine, and I think you know Jesse as well. He was on the show earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, honestly, in the long run, he gave me the permission when I was at one of his groups and was like, dude, you have the power to change your life. No one else does. And I give you permission if you needed to be able to restart that life. And I mean, that kind of rang true in my head. From their point on, I mean, I went through, I mean, divorces are never easy, no matter how you go about it. But I mean, I knew at that time that 
because we were going back and forth, so many people fight over money and material things. And I was like, man, look, I can always make more money. I can always buy more things. I can't get back more time. And I value time over money. And so I walked away from everything except for the one thing that I truly cared about, which my kids. And I restarted my life at 36, moved back in with my parents, and had a little bit under $1,000 in my name. Holy crap. You went Shut from, down everything, liquidated, and went moved forward. You went from making a couple million dollars profit a month to having $1,000 in your bank account. You know. What was the identity shift that happened there? At first? Oh, man, it was awesome. I was out every, every night. <laughs> party. I'm going out. I'm like, holy crap, there's this thing, all these apps that I can use. And like when I got you know in a relationship, I, didn't, I had to actually go to a bar and try. Now I can just swipe right, left, whatever. <laughs> I don't know because I'm married now. So <laughs> It was crazy, right? I was out with a good friend of mine, Ian, and we were going out all the time. It was just fun, but I, I was using it as a distraction. Because I didn't want to. I told everyone, I was telling everyone my life was amazing. I had the opportunity to restart, go through. But when I wasn't doing that, I'd come home, especially when I got moved out of my parents' house, I'd just sit on the couch and stare at the wall again. And I came to the conclusion I was in a depression when I got divorced. And I never actually came out of it. I was still in that same depression. I was just finding new ways to distract myself. And I still on the, this day have the text in my phone and it honestly, it helped too because of my wife now and she was in my life and she would, you know, save, save me from a lot of things. And I, she's, I, I, I was too scared to tell my friends, right? I didn't want to tell anyone that I was depressed or things weren't going as well as I used to be, or I wasn't just crushing it. And I finally just broke down one day. It was the hardest text I ever wrote. And I, I texted some of my amazing friends here in Austin and I told them and they go, yeah, we know. And we love you for it, man. And thank you for saying it. And the next day, life got better. I released that pressure of not being who I was because I was who I am now. You know, it's amazing. I thank you for sharing that. I, I think you can't fully appreciate and love who you are today unless you fully recognize that who you were in your past created who you are today. 100%. Right? And so I think, especially you, you went through this amazing transition from successful outwardly being seen successful yeah. to inwardly not feeling full and almost flipping it the other way around to almost being seen for who you are. And that came from giving yourself permission to do so. Why do you think so many people have trouble giving themselves permission to be themselves? So let me see if I can say this correctly, because I think this is what causes most issues in people's lives. Our perception of other people's perception of us is what really affects us. What we believe other people believe about us yes. is what usually drives us nuts. Crazy, yes. insane, whatever you want to put it. But that was, was with me. I mean, my perception was I was still held on this pedestal. I was this guy. I was the guy that everyone went to. Oh, when I'm, I'm multiple companies, like, cool, you need anything? Go to Josh. If, if he can't help you, he knows someone that can. So I was still that guy. And I wasn't that guy anymore. And I needed to be okay with that. And honestly, when I was that guy, I was everything to everyone. But doing that, I was nothing to no one. Because I did too many things. I didn't distinguish who I was. I mean, Margot Parts like, oh, hey, I'm Joshua B. Lee. You know, you know, I used to, I, I started 16 companies. and I did this. And amazing friend and mentor of mine, Ron Lynch, goes, dude, I don't care how many companies you started. Why do you start off with that? Because I'd rather know who you are and how many companies you fail at and what you learn. But stop introducing yourself like, oh, I ran all these companies. That's not, that's used to. 
Who are you now and why? Who are you now and why? Man, I'm a dad first, a husband, and I have two different places. I either work on my, I, I talk a lot about my book, which is Balance is Bullshit, kind of all the things that I share in that book are how I change and flip my life to where I am now what techniques I use to do it and all the things that I wanted to tell people that I was too scared to or afraid to of the the mess ups that I I had in my life. Best man for my first wedding, stealing a million dollars from me, you know, I mean, or a $1.3 million mistake that I made in Vegas sitting at the craft table that turned into costing me over $10 million over the next year and almost bankrupted me. I mean, things like that. I mean, you and losing all my best friends from high school because of all the, the everything I put so much into work. You know, these are things that I share in the book and then and I share with others, just trying to say, look, here's who I am, here's why, and here's why how I became who I am beca- and because of it. And then the other side is I've took all that knowledge of working with companies and marketing over the years. Because I mean, personally, I, I managed over a hundred million dollars in ad spend personally. The companies did over three hundred million. You know, I controlled over $35 trillion impressions, and it was just marketing. It was traffic. It doesn't do anything for anyone. So now, I mean, I love what I do. Uh, my company, I get to teach marketers how to be human online again. Mm-hmm. And this has all come from my path of being able to go and be able to unite. And so I'm just, that's it. I'm one person. I don't live two separate lives. I don't have a personal life, and I don't have a professional life. I don't have this work-life balance. I'm one person, and I live that one life. Yeah. There's a really good friend of mine. You might know him, Alan Brower. I know the name. He was on the show earlier and one of my best friends. And he, he has this idea around there's no such thing as work-life balance. There's just work-life harmony. 100%. Right? Like the pendulum will always swing. And sometimes you will be more work than not. Sometimes you will be more not than work. But that doesn't define you. And we have to be okay with that. That's the bigger thing is so many people hold so much pressure on, oh, I didn't get to, or I, I did this too much and I didn't do enough here. And it's it, work-life balance is something that hurts more people than actually helps. How did you start to separate your identity from the work you do? I didn't separate it. I became it. I became everything. I became one person. I mean, if we have two different lives, that like we have two different personalities, I'd be locked up in an insane asylum. That's really interesting because I've always like tried separating myself or my conscious understanding of who I am from my work. But let me ask you this before you get, because I, I kind of see where you're going. Do, how many times have you been in a world where you were with friends and they're like, oh my God, you know, Raj is talking about coffee again or whatever. And you feel like you can't talk about your work because they, people, other people don't want to hear about it. But that's part of who you are. I mean, I know I was. I mean, people were like, point. dude, I don't want to yeah. talk about, you know, oh, you're all, all you do is talk about work or all you do, you know, why can't you just be you? I mean, that is me. Mm, that's a good point. I'm not two different people. I'm always the same person. People go, well, I can't be bring my personal into the office. But that's you. That's what allows you to connect with other people. Mm. Why are you trying to hide parts of yourself? Just be you all the time. And it's so much easier. That is so empowering. I appreciate you reframing that because that's true. I mean, and I think that goes back to what you think other people think about you, yeah. right? And it's always bigger. I mean, I, I think I had a mentor of mine tell me this and he's like, Raj, you think people give a much bigger shit about you than they actually do. Oh, yeah. Like, you actually do not matter. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, everybody's going about their day. And I think that was a really important reframe for me because I think a lot of people, probably a lot of people listening and, and people who have gone through life just have this emotional relationship with who they think they are. 
Sometimes they love who they think they are. Sometimes they hate who they think they are. And the reason they hate who they think they are is based on what they think other people think about them. Yeah. And there's just really unhealthy cycle that happens. But by just bringing it all together the way you have, it removes the tension. Has that always worked for you? Like just owning it 100%? No, look, I mean, when I was going through my divorce, my depression, guess what? All the tools and things that I even talk about in the book that I use to be able to get to me to a better place went out the window. In a second, the next thing I know, it's like, yep, I'm looking at my phone as soon as I wake up in the morning. Yep, I'm not meditating anymore. Yep, I screw working out. You know, well, I think I worked out because I was trying to get girls, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know, there's all these things. So, I mean, it's okay though, right? You have to be okay with it. I mean, even I look back to go, man, when I, I, all these people hated me for the money and I was just trying to be nice. I always give on others. I knew what I needed and I always helped to pay for everything. You know, why did they hate me for it? You know what? Honestly, now that I look back, I probably did want their admiration for paying for things. I probably did it self, more self-centered than I ever realized. And you have to be able to kind of be okay to be able to look in that mirror and, and look back. You know, you were talking about the worlds, right? My wife, uh, Rachel, now, she gave me amazing perspective because she hears a lot of us and me, especially at, for a while, I used to always say, well, in my world, in the internet marketing world, in my world, in our world, you know, oh, this guy's amazing. If I close him as a client in our world, that, you know, that's, that's, that's everything. She works for Microsoft, okay? So she goes, do you know how bad that is saying that? He goes, you know how small your world is? The companies you're talking about aren't even a blip on our radar. She goes, if you stop getting on this small pond of your world, the internet marketing world or things like that, you'd be amazed at how many more people are out there. Oh my God, that's so good. I think everybody's guilty of this when I was in high school, Everybody in my high school was my world, right? If something happened in my world, if something didn't happen in my world. Our world's small. Right? It, and it just keeps, it's, it stays that way. You get to college, you create cliques, you create the people you know that became, becomes your world. It's extremely scary, though, to admit that you are a very small, inconsequential blip in the overall world. So how do you build the courage to start adopting that and being okay with it? And there it takes a lot of courage to not give a shit. Yeah. How did you start just not giving a shit? I mean, one, I had to start put myself first. That was a big thing. And I mean, it was, it's either a, a fuck yes or a fuck no. Yeah. I make those decisions and it's black or white for me. It honestly makes it easier. I mean, I've got a touch of ADHD myself. So, you know, I can be pulled in multiple different directions and I've got to really feel it. I mean, there'd be certain times like, nope, don't feel like doing that. I'm not going to do it anymore. The biggest thing that I realized that's helped me is that I can't do it alone. I can't change it. My main goal and mission is to be able to make this world a better place for my kids. And the only way I can do that, I can't do it by myself. So I've got to work with other amazing entrepreneurs because I truly believe entrepreneurs can really change this world. They have the best opportunity possible to be able to do that. So how can I help other entrepreneurs? And I'm, I'm able to do that now and be able to help get their message out and help them teach them the best ways to be able to do it. And together, it's not just all on me. It's not all on my own shoulders because I live so much like it's always on my shoulders. It's on my shoulders to provide for my family. It's on my shoulders to do this. It's on my shoulders to help my family. It's on my shoulders to help my employees. It's not. It's a ton of people out there that I can actually work with and we can all do this together. And that changed my life. It's kind of funny. I used to be the same way. Very solo, solo, solo. Recently, I was talking about you, but I recently sold a very small portion of my company. Yeah. Right. Got a new partner now, a new team, you know, really amazing collaborative effort. And it's the first time I've really been around like a team, yeah, like a true team where everyone has each other's backs and you're not necessarily 
using each other to get something done. You're doing it together because you want to experience something. It's amazing just how much more fulfilling it is to do life with people. I think we unfairly put so much pressure on ourselves to show up in a certain way. And I think that all roots back to maybe things we thought we needed to do when we were kids. Yeah. Thought we needed to be like, if you think about the popular kids in school or like, you know, who was celebrated or what was celebrated. I think we take that with us to our adult years and we're trying to project those very small worlds into this giant, we're trying to make sense of this thing called life. And sometimes that creates this silo where it's almost like we're in our own fishbowl. Yeah. And that's hard to get out of. Well, I mean, everyone's just guessing. I mean, I, I look back into this is some people might not get this or not, but uh, you know, I've recently got married. So I've got a blended family. Now my wife now is a stepmother of my children. She's like, oh, man, I'm just, I don't know how to do this. I go, guess what? I don't either. This is my first time around with kids. So every parent's guessing, we're, you know, we're just, we're guessing, we're hoping for the right best and we're learning from if it goes right or it goes wrong, mm. but no one has the answer. I don't care what gurus out there, what they've done. They guess too. Sometimes they guess right. Sometimes they guess wrong. If they guess wrong, they learn from it and made the adjustments that one degree shift that can sometimes go and try it again. And that's what we've got to be able to do. We've got to be okay and go, look, I don't know it. They don't know it. No one knows it. And that's okay. But if I keep on trying, that's what I have to do. If I stop trying, that's not okay. If I give up, that's not okay. And that's the huge difference between successful people and people that are just like, you know what? Screw it. Because they stop trying. They stop just going, okay, it's okay. I fell. Let me pick myself back up. Oh, man, I fell again. Let me pick myself back up. Dude, I fall often. <laughs> I mean, we've got, you know, I'm looking over here. I'm like, oh, yeah, we get different books and stuff like that on your shelf. And it's, you know, I think of some of like Tribe of Mentors, you know, it's like in, in books like that. It's like, look, fail fast and fail often, right? So I think that the best quote on failure was fail as fast as you can so you can stop failing. And I was like, man, that is awesome. Failure is one of those things that has a really bad rep in society. And I think that's because when, again, when we're growing up, if you get an F on a test, yeah. you're the worst, right? You get put into punishment. Your parents look at you and call you something. I mean, it's just, you don't get the support and there's like this black and white, 100%. right? I grew up playing sports. Yeah, Failure was the best thing that ever happened. When I lost, that created fire. When I didn't show up the way I needed to show up for myself, for my team, that created urgency or, I mean, the best things in my life have come from me experiencing failure. You must have not played sports in Texas, man, because I mean, if you did, the coach would whoop my ass every time we failed. Well, I played tennis, <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of ass whooping in tennis. In football, it was like, yeah. all right, you, man, you missed that, man. You're going to run like 50 laps. You're pulling a tire. I'm like, oh. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, but it was, it's, it's, it's an interesting relationship because I do think that failure can feel overwhelming. Right. But I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think people are scared to fail. I think they're afraid of people seeing them fail. Yeah. And that goes back to what people Our perceive of, yeah. right? Like if I'm a failure, then shit, am I, can I actually do this? Are these people actually going to believe in me? Am I going to get another shot? Did I just screw up my one chance? Kind of like, you know, uh, Eminem and yeah. lose yourself, you know, eight mile, like do I only have one shot. And there's all these, these societal pressures to get it right the first time. I still do it right now. I mean, even though I, no matter how enlightened or how conscious we think we are, I mean, I still do with it. I had so much success in the past. 
the thought always, what if? What if I can't do it like I did before? Oh, yeah, that's a big one for me. Who cares? I don't want to do it like I did before. I'm doing this specifically so I don't. What if money was so, ended up to be so evil and such a, not evil, but such a depressed time when I had it? Oh my God, if I have money again, will I find myself in that situation? Is that it's, a question you have with yourself? It's right always now? scary. Like what happens? What ha- I mean, yeah, I'm very, everything, success is coming really well personally and financially. But if I ever achieved that level of millions and millions of dollars, would I revert right back into that, that person I hated before? Let me ask you this. Cause you're doing pretty well. Let's yeah. say it continues on that trend, right? And you get to that point. How would you approach your life differently knowing what you know about the way you've lived your life in the past? The biggest thing is I'm going to be 100% transparent here without my wife. I mean, she is, when we got together, we did a long relationship, which of course, like after divorce, my friends are like, what are you thinking? That's crazy. Yeah. I I was like, oh, that's crazy. I looked at her and said, look, let's just be 100%. You're out in Seattle. I'm here in Austin. Let's just be 100% transparent with each other. Tell me all your likes, your dislikes, your kinks, whatever. Unless if we don't like it, cool, we can just turn around because it's that easy. We're in different cities. To this day, she's the only person I feel I've ever been 100% myself with and never worried. Such a relief to feel that way. And we still to this day, she'll call me out. She'll tell me what's going on. And I feel if I have that success, having her by my side to tell me, Josh, come. Yeah. Really? And me being able to understand it because anyone can tell you anything, but if you don't comprehend and you don't want to hear it, it's not going to matter anyway. But because we've started this relationship, because we're in this path, I feel so much more confident that when I get there, when we get there, I'll never have to worry because I'll always have someone to tell me, to call me out if I, if I step up. And I surround myself with people that all our friends, you and I have so many mutual friends, they will say, call bullshit. Every day of the week, and I appreciate it. I didn't have people like that before. They were like, cool, yeah, whatever. We love you because you make a lot of money. Now it's like, I don't care about my who are you as a person. Yeah. And if you start being like that, I'm going to tell you that. And it's because I love you. It's almost like accountability has become like the, like you've just, you've got people in your life that hold you accountable yeah. to a you know, standard. Let me just run wild because I, like, ooh, squirrel, let me do that. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah. It's really easy when you experience success quickly and you experience wins and it just feels flowy and you have all these other people coming into your life and it's hard to lose yourself. But I love the idea of staying grounded through the people in your life, which is, which is how you're doing it. And I'm not doing it alone. You're not doing it alone. That's the biggest thing. I felt like I was alone the first time around, even though I was surrounded by people. I don't feel alone this time around. Let me ask you something. There's so many people that feel alone even when they're surrounded by people. Why do you think that is just from your own experience? Because even you, like when you first started, you were surrounded by people, but you felt alone. Yeah. Like physically you had people around you, but you felt alone. What, what causes that reality to happen? And how do you flip that on its head? It's not what, it's who, it's you. I mean, we as human beings are the one that caused that to happen. Either you let someone in or you don't. You are this false self, this Facebook life, or you're not, right? I mean, this is one of the biggest things. Like we want everyone to be perceive us in a certain light of what we do. And we cause these blockades between us and all the people around us. Yeah. Because we're scared of what they're going to think about us, what they're going to say to us, or how they're going to perceive us. 
And you have to just go, this is who I am. And that's that work-life balance too, that, that multiple lives. Like, well, I'm someone different at work than I am at home and I'm someone different at home than I am at work. And we, we run these whole facades and everyone wears a different mask all the time. And it's exhausting. And if you're just you and you go, you know what? This is who I am. I want you to love me or hate me. I don't want you to be indifferent towards me. Because, I mean, that's why people make decisions. They make decisions based on love or hate. They don't make decisions on being indifferent. So be you, be polarizing. And because of that, not only will it push the bad people out that don't need to be in your life, it will draw in, just like a magnet, the people that need to be there. But that's scary sometimes, right? Very scary. You just got to do it. You got to jump, right? And it's and you got to keep on trying and be okay with it and be 100% vulnerable. I mean, like you said, when we first met, I probably say a lot of things that most people have never said to you very quickly. And it's just, I'm like, let me just tell you everything that I've went through so I can get that out of the way because I've got to be my most vulnerable self right out the gate with someone because I want, I want to understand, are they cool with that? I've experienced in my life, and that's why we're, we're here and we're cool, right? Like, yeah. I think most people want to be vulnerable. I think there's, again, I love that. I think that's going to be like the, I keep coming back to it that people aren't scared of the perception thing, right? Like people are scared of how they're perceived by other people. Someone else's perception of you is what usually drives you mad. Yes. Right. And so that's the thing that stops people from being vulnerable out the gate. That's the thing that stops people from sharing their life stories or I think that's why it's so hard for people to leave their hometowns and go to new cities. Like, you know, when you graduate college, you move to a new city because you don't think you're going to meet people that get you or it's like, you're not going to be able to meet people that, that are there to be who you were, right? right? Like, I mean, and I know so many of my friends like that, they hang out in the same cities, the same places. They're not venturing out, making new friends. And I think it is that it's that fear of being seen. Yeah, but it's the social media, it's all these other things. And I think that's the reason why you're successful. Is it because of you or because of other people? 100% other people. Well, it's a combination. So I'm going to say it's 100% because of you. You're the only reason why you're successful. You did what you had to do. And yes, you work with those people, but it all came from you in the beginning. So let me rephrase that. Okay. What I say is I take 100% ownership <laughs> okay. for my journey and what I've worked on and how I've gotten there. And I will take 100% ownership for myself asking help when I needed it and taking action on the advice that was received. But I will also say I wouldn't be where I am without the people showing that you had to be you first. I had, yes, I had to be my first. I had to to be you first. You had to take that responsibility to ask for help, to be able to give that. And I think that's where most people, they, they set their days up, their lives up so often. They set the standard for their life that with the first thing they do in the morning, what do you think 95% of this population does when they first wake up? Check their phone. Yeah. So they just set the tone for the rest of the day that the outside world is more important than them. Right out the gate, because you're like, oh my God, did the world stop spinning? I need oh, to check wow. my email. I need to check my Facebook. I need to check everything. You just set the tone for the rest of your day that the outside world is more important for you. And that's so important. That outside world didn't stop spinning. Your business didn't crumble. And honestly, that outside world's not going to aid you. In, it will aid you in your success, but they will not make you successful. You can only make you successful with the help of other people at times, but it has to start with you. Yes. So like me, I mean, morning routines are so important, especially with a lot of our friends, especially with me. Waking up, no phone, no TV, no internet, none of that stuff, you know, first hour or two of the morning. 
meditation, working out, spending time with my kids, reading, journaling. These are things that give me the power that I need to be my best self for the rest of the day. And I think that's where people need to start first. You can't change the people around you, but you can change yourself. And that will in turn either draw or push away the good and bad people that you need in your life. That's a very powerful way of looking at it. Cause I think you're right. I think, and even if I look at my journey, you know, the more ownership I started taking for my life, one that did lead to external success and metrics that society felt were successful. But more importantly, it started giving the people in my life the courage to start taking ownership of their lives. Yeah. Inadvertently. Yeah. Right. That wasn't the end goal. Or the people that hate you for it will leave your life. And guess what? They don't need to be in your life anyway. Yeah. But that takes courage, man. And I think the more you start to invest in yourself, the more you begin to take action, build awareness, grow confident in who you're becoming and the choices you're making, the less that stuff bothers you. Yeah. Right? Like the more you become comfortable in your own shoes and you get to a point where it's like, I don't need everybody's validation. I just need my own. Right. I need to feel proud of who I am. I need to feel fulfilled with the work I'm doing. I need to make sure that the relationships in my life know that I love them and I care for them and I'm here for them. And you start to place priority on the things that matter most. Right. But that's a journey. It's a hundred percent journey. I mean, look, you know, I said it earlier um, when we were talking, you know, I threw away the things when I was going to the production. No one's perfect. Perfection is the definition of insanity. So trying to achieve perfection, you're just you're going to lose your mind. When I went through the hardest part of my life, going through divorce, trying to restart my life, everything like that, the things that helped me get there to be able to give myself the power to do it, I threw out the window. Again, I wasn't doing any of those things in the morning that I did religiously every single day. And until I got back to that, I didn't give myself or have the power I needed to continue on and be able to do the things and become the man I am today. Best quote on perfectionism I've ever heard is perfectionism is another form of procrastination. I say perf- perfection is the definition of insanity. I love it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's all because, you know, procrastination creates insanity. But what's interesting about perfectionism is that your definition of perfect is different than mine. Yeah, that's right? okay. And that's beautiful. That's the exact reason. Because I think by tying yourself to a word, perf- I don't think perfectionism is necessarily the worst thing ever, as long as you define what perfectionism is to you yeah, and you're holding yourself to a standard that you believe in, not necessarily what other people believe in. Holding yourself to the perfectionist ideals of society is what drives people crazy. It's exhausting. It's the worst, but, and to me, the best way I can measure perfectionism is effort. Am I putting my best foot forward? Am I doing everything I can in my power to be who I need to be in order for me to experience the fulfillment that I'm going to experience. That to me is a more fulfilling pursuit of perfectionism that isn't driven by what someone next to you is doing, how much money you're making, what the world around you needs to see. It's what or how many you likes you get, right? Or how many likes you get. Or Have you heard about what Instagram's doing, right? Removing likes. You're removing likes. I love feel it. that it's it's adding negative yes. negativity to the platform and it's actually causing more people to be depressed when they don't get that. Now the people behind it, you'll still be able to see it, I guess, internally, but I mean it's an experiment. This is gonna be a first for any platform in at least the last decade where they didn't have a way to rate if you're good enough or not. <laughs> if your post is good enough or not. Crazy, and right? 
I'm kind of excited to be able to see it. I am extremely excited to see how that's received. And, and I think if we just stopped looking at the world around us and just started looking in the mirror, almost all of our problems would go out the window. So I do think that just from a spiritual standpoint, we're all on the same journey, right? We're all going, we're all started in the same place and we're all going to end in the same place. There we go. Right? And the journey along the way is just a return back to you looking at yourself, being your best self, helping people the only way you know how to help people and staying grounded in that because that is the only truth. That yeah. exists. I mean, I had a, a good friend when I was going through his program and he told me, he's, he's like, I want you to tell me what, how God would introduce you to, to heaven. That took out my entire day. I, once I did that, it just, I was like, oh my God, this is, I don't know. I don't know. I wanted to start going to the negative things, right? Like, well, I didn't do this. Well, I can't say that, you know? And then it just, it just kind of sat and I had to re- reset the next day. But it was a it was a hard kind of path to go through. Like, how would God introduce you into heaven? So, what a beautiful question to just sit on. I mean, I'm a huge journaler, and I think that might be. I don't. I mean, I'm. I, I didn't grow up Christian. I grew up Hindu. Mm-hmm. So we believe in reincarnation, and, and yeah. you know, who am I going to show up as? And you know, did I live my best life? Did yeah. I did I do that? And I think it comes back down to, and at the end of all of this. How would God, and you know what's kind of interesting? I've always believed this, like we're going down a, a rabbit hole right now, and that's all right. That's, that's quite all right. I tell love, me when to shut up. And I love rabbit holes, but I heard this really interesting quote from a guy named Jason Silva, mm-hmm. who creates these amazing videos online. He started talking about how the, the entire game of life is we're getting to this point where we're starting to realize the power we have inside. Like that's really where we're at right now, right? Like yeah. we're unleashing all this power. He has this theory that we're all actually gods and we just forgot. And the entire game we're on is just going back to realizing that... I'd watch that movie. Yeah, we, yeah we're going back <laughs> to realizing that we are the gods. Like we, we were, we're the ones who are going to be telling the story at the end of our time. Like The story that they're going to be telling is the story that we wrote for ourselves. And if it's a story we wrote for ourselves, then what more beautiful thing can we do as human beings than just live our lives to our fullest potential. It's amazing, man. I, I appreciate it. And the funny thing is too, as I'm contemplating that that statement, of course, too, also the Will Smith movie pops in my head um, where he was a god and became a superhero or something like that. I, yeah. can't, I can't remember the name of it right now. I can't but remember it either. I know he what forgot you're about, about it too <laughs> and he couldn't be with his partner. And I'm like, get out of my head movie. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> no, man, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, I, I think that would... We are truly, we, we are we're the only ones control of our life. So we are gods of our life. And I, I 100% agree with that equation because it's, it is true. You can say, oh, the person that's running this country causes me to do X. Or, I mean, dude, I don't care if it's Democrat. I'm going to be totally polarizing here, but I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican sitting in the, the presidential office seat. He doesn't control my life and doesn't you know, affect what, as me personally, and where I put myself what I do on a daily basis. Yeah. It can be anyone up there because I'm going to see the way that I've designed my life and the way that I have my life now, it will continue to go forward and I will affect the people that I need to affect. And if there's other people that are affected by that and I can help them, so be it. Yep. He's not going to, or she or whatever, no one's going to affect me one way or the other. Everyone gives themselves out. Well, it's because of it's, so-and-so, if that person didn't do this, then I would have, or if this hadn't happened, I would have, this shit happens every day. Yeah. 
as I said before, it's the people that keep on moving forward that are going to continue to have, find success through a lot of hard work, misery, heartbreak. And whatever that means, right? Like, and whatever success they want. Yeah. It's, it's up to you to define it. That's the beautiful part of this entire thing. I think yeah. it's a great like wraparound. It's just, we define what success means. Success can mean a ton of money. It can mean a beautiful family. It can mean the best health of your life. It can mean incredible contribution. It can mean art. But ultimately, your definition of success, whatever it is, own it. Own the hell out of it. And if you don't understand it or know it, take time. Journal. Think about it and try to put something out there that helps you to find that what you're moving forward towards. Because we're all moving forward. But having an understanding of what we're moving, what we're trying to move forward towards will help. Beautiful, man. Dude, this has been such an amazing just conversation. I got a lot of love for you. Tell me uh, if listeners want to get a copy of your book or get in touch. How does one go about doing so? Yeah, no worries. I mean, honestly, since these days I, I live on LinkedIn, you know, the best way to find me. I mean, anyway, on, on Facebook, Instagram, it's always the Joshua B. Lee, my handle there, or just look for me on LinkedIn, standoutauthority.com, any of those sites, reach out. And the biggest thing that I'm going to tell anyone, because I remember I said, you know, I, I don't believe in B2B, I don't believe in B2C, I believe in H2H, human to human connection, especially on, and I teach marketers how to be human online again. So if you're going to send me a connection request, you're going to reach out you better reference this podcast. Be like, dude, I saw you on Roger's podcast and I want to be able to connect. Because if you just send, if I get a blank connection request, delete. I'm not here to just add numbers to my game. It mm. does nothing for me. I want to connect with other human beings. Hope if you guys heard that. So if you're going to message Josh, talk me up and clearly that's going to work. That's, that's, the, that's the password <laughs> to get past the golden gates of Joshua B. Lee. Brother, thank you so much. I got one last question for you. In the midst of everything you've been through, where you are right now and where you're going. How do you stay grounded? That's a hard question. My kids, every day I want to work with, the first thing I say, I want to make sure that I'm working with people and I'm doing things. And I kind of go back and forth is I'm doing things to make this world a better face for my kids. But at the same time, I'm helping my kids be better for this world. And I think of that, that statement. I want to make sure it's, it's, it's relatable on both sides. Not only am I making this world a better place for my kids, and I'll say it again, but I make my kids better for this world. Yeah. And that keeps me grounded, making sure that I keep that in mind all times. I love that, man. I just love the filters you've created and like the world you're playing and it's inspiring. And uh, I, I can't wait to, uh, just can't wait to follow the journey, man. I'm grateful for your friendship and I'm just grateful that we got to riff on purpose and just <laughs> go down the rabbit hole. But Everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Josh. And from us, stay grounded. Stay grounded. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.